You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Alrighty, so I want to start this off by saying, I'm not going to take very long, but I know how pastors go when they say that. So maybe I just shouldn't start in case I end up lying to you anyways. It's like our bishop did this conference. He interrupted himself about every uh, 10 minutes to say, I'm almost done (laughs) for like 45 minutes, which is not uncommon for him. It's just fun to watch. Okay, so... um, if you are reading Matthew, well, 19, Matthew 19, 28. Matthew 19, 28 is where we'll start. Then we're going to move into a parable in chapter 20. And this parable, I, you know, you've maybe heard me preach on it before. Um, parables in the Bible... If you want to understand them really well, you've got to work with the Holy Spirit. And this is due to Jesus' teaching. He tells his disciples, like he expects them to understand their parable, his parables, even though he expects not everyone in the crowd to get it. He expects his disciples to get it because they have the secret to the kingdom of heaven. So sometimes you get into parables that are like super complicated and you just know like, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me through this because I'm just struggling to find it. And what I find a lot of times with parables is the Holy Spirit will not only give you one interpretation, but he'll give like 10 people different interpretations of the same parable. And when you listen to all the interpretations, you're like, all of these are right. They all sound correct to me. So the Holy Spirit just has ways of working with us. Today's particular parable, though, to me, it just feels like this one's one of the more obvious ones. Like it doesn't require a whole lot of effort uh, to comprehend. So um, we're going to read through it. And then we're going to dissect it a little bit. So Matthew 19, starting in verse 28. um, Jesus, okay, this is hard for me. I want to do almost all of chapter 20 and 19, because if you looked at like all of this, Matthew is telling like a giant theme throughout all these. This is why we're starting in 19 before we get to 20 is because it's a part of a longer narrative. So in 28, it says this, Jesus said to them, that being his disciples, truly I say to you in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So Jesus is looking down the road from here. Okay, He's saying in the fullness of the end times, when heaven has fully come to earth in that time, I will install you disciples as uh, uh, with your thrones to kind of rule over my people. Sorry, my people will rule over this earth, uh, falling under all the salvation that uh, I'm offering them. And uh, even though he just set up this glorious proposal right here, he then suddenly twists it and starts saying, like, first going to be last, last are going to be first. You need to humble yourself. The thrones of heaven, the glory of heaven works differently than the glory of this world. So often in this world, we're trying to stretch, trying to get 
all that we can. We take up great pride in ourselves and we boast about ourselves and we do all these different things. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 make yourself small because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. First will be last, last will be first. Then he goes on to tell a parable basically about uh, uh, how we need to humble ourselves. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. Master of the house. You know, it's in like 50% of your heads. I know it is. Who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you... Go into the vineyard too, and whatever it is right, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour, in the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here all idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go to the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired, about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, you, you heard that again, you can't not hear it. These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and first last. Now we could keep going and we would see themes like this continue. But this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting moment. Because it should strike a little bit of a chord with many of us here, right? I mean, Jesus is so gracious here that let's just repaint the story one more time. Okay, so you know, like, uh, we may not have the same way in which people are just, like, standing in a, in a place waiting to get hired day by day, right? But uh, sometimes you hear of people who um, are not residents of the U.S. They might gather in a certain place, and someone might go out and hire a bunch of them uh, and pay them under the table, right? Maybe you've heard stories like that. It's similar in this way. This master goes out, finds a group of people looking for hire, and he says to them, all right, come and come and work for me. It's, it's 6 a.m. in the morning, maybe. The sun's just coming up. They want to get through the work starting early in the day before it gets too hot. So the master hires them. They go and start working. But then the master goes back out. He needs more help, and he finds more people a few hours later, goes back out a few hours later, picks up more people until he gets to, like, the end of the day, and he's still picking up people. So when these last people came up who are working at the end of the day, they've hardly done anything, and the master comes up and he's like, all right, here's a denarius for you. A denarius is like the equivalent to an entire day pay, right? So these people, at the end of the day, they're like, I've been working here for like just a few hours, and I get an entire day's pay? This is crazy. 
So the people who came at like six o'clock in the morning, right? They're like, okay, all right, this guy must be rich. <laughs> this guy's gonna, gonna pay us real good if he's paying them that much. And he gets up there, he's like, thank you for helping me out. Here's an entire day's pay. And these guys are like, hold, hold up, what? <laughs> like, we've been here all day sweating our butts off, cleaning up all our, our hands are dirtier than theirs. Our faces are more sweaty than theirs. We stink more than them. We've been working like crazy. And you mean to tell me that these people who worked for just a few hours, at the end of the day, you paid them the same amount that you pay us? What are you, what are you talking about? But that right there, that's... That's the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. Though a lot of us wouldn't call it beauty, right? I think even maybe some of the most progressive people (laughs) would say like, Whoa, Jesus, you pushed equality just a little too far right there. (laughs) Right? right, Hold up. Let's let's bring it back a little bit. I I worked all day long and this person gets the same amount of money. I'm not seeing how this works out. But Jesus, he's saying like, look, it's my generosity. I get to choose. And I choose in the equality of offering all of you the same amount, which is a great amount, the entire day pay, even for the small amount. And that's hard for us uh, to hear sometimes. It's hard for us to hear definitely on like a physical level, the idea of everyone getting paid the same in, in one day, despite how much work they did. But it's also hard to hear on a spiritual level for some of us, right? Um, because we, we look at Jesus not just tell a parable, but he lives this out. You remember the story of the thief on the cross next to him? Here's his disciples. They've been following after him all day, all year for who knows how long, doing his work, putting their lives on the line, having their lives threatened, and uh, going wherever he goes. And now they enter perhaps one of the biggest struggles of their time, being faithful to Jesus even as he dies on a cross, knowing like if they're going to be faithful to him now, they're putting their own lives on the line. And in that moment, some of them decide, this is just too much for me. I don't know how to handle this. And they kind of back off, though they follow him again later. But in that moment, these disciples who have been following him forever, who have been given the, the day's wages, suddenly there's this guy on a cross next to Jesus. He's dying. He's bleeding out. He's nailed to a cross like Jesus is. And uh, he knows that his time is short. He is not a disciple. He's not even perhaps that great of a guy because he's been given the death sentence. That's what the cross was. is like the electric chair of ancient times. And this guy knows that because he tells Jesus next, he tells Jesus and another guy next to him, he's like, we deserve to be up here, but Jesus, you don't. But there he is hanging on a cross. He's like, Jesus, would you remember me in your kingdom? And in that moment, he confesses Jesus as Lord, he confesses faith in Jesus, believes in Jesus. And while all the disciples who have been doing all this hard work for all this time, who maybe feel like they deserve the kingdom of God, suddenly here's this criminal hanging on a cross with a death sentence that even he thinks he deserves. And Jesus is like, I will see you in paradise. One of the only people, if not the only person in the entire Bible to be confirmed to have actually gotten into heaven is a thief hanging on a cross next to Jesus. It's pretty amazing. It's a lot of hope for us. (laughs) But here is this guy who comes in at the 11th hour in the last minutes of breathing on his deathbed. And he's like, Jesus, remember me. 
And confessing faith in that moment, Jesus is like, you will receive the kingdom of heaven. I will see you in paradise. Now, I don't know how many of the disciples were standing down there watching it, but if I was one of them, I'd be like, you did what? You told him what? That guy? He gets in? And yet I'm expected down here to like be faithful and obedient and get nailed to a cross too. But that guy, he, he was already going to die and you let him in? It's very an impressive, gracious moment for Jesus where the last becomes first. And that's why we follow people all the way to their death, knowing that there is always a chance, as long as they're breathing, to confess Jesus like that thief and to be paid the same, to be welcomed into heaven out of the graciousness of Jesus. It's hard to be on the other side, to have been a Christian your whole life and to have worked hard to follow Jesus and then sometimes see someone else who can do it so easily. We often don't see that happen, but Jesus is welcoming us to celebrate that, to live for that, to bring people in in the 11th hour, in the last moment, because Jesus is patiently waiting for them to accept him. And so we have to join in that effort to the very last breath to show people who Jesus is and to welcome them into the kingdom. Now, this message, when I was preparing it, uh, over the past few weeks, there's been this message I preached last year that's been going through my head. And then I came across this parable for today, and I was like, man, this just feels like it clashes with the previous message I preached. And I'm like, maybe I just preached that last message completely wrong. I don't know. The Bible is confusing sometimes where you can see both sides of a scenario, and, it gets, and it's hard to know like which way to go. But if you remember, if you were here when I was preaching through 1 Corinthians, I talked about actually reward in heaven. In this parable, everyone gets paid the same, right? Um, But when you look at some of the things that Paul says and Jesus talking in certain ways, there also seems to be this idea of like, the more you give up, the more uh, reward God brings in heaven. And that sounds weird. We often don't hear that preached on. But there are a few amount of passages throughout uh, Paul's work and throughout Jesus that seems to imply that. So what is it? Does everybody just get the same denarius? In other words, does everyone just get saved and everyone meets the full equality of, of that? Well, yes, everyone gets saved, everyone gets in. But I think if you do look at all the Bible passages, you also see Paul saying like, look, the more we give up when we meet the judgment that God has prepared, prepared for us, whether that's good judgment or bad judgment, there is reward that comes with that. And that reward, while we're not working for that, that reward is, is based on how our lives looked like while we were here on the earth. We don't have time to jump into all those passages, but I just offer to you kind of a, a blend here. Yes, we are all saved by faith. Yes, we are all brought into the kingdom of heaven. No, we are not living for reward. We are just living for Jesus and for love. But God, the Bible seems to show that God is uh, uh, gracious to us, offering us all salvation. But then also, if we're willing to chase after him in the way that the disciples went to, to the end, that Jesus uh, sees that when judgment comes, and he pays attention to those kinds of things as well. So I encourage you to keep pressing after God in the fullness of all you have in every breath, like the early church did, putting their lives on the line. 
Give him everything that you have, not for the sake of reward, but for the sake of knowing that nothing here matters except Jesus. Nothing here matters except the things that Jesus cares about. When we bring that all in alignment with him, we start living the goodness and the life and the love that is the kingdom of heaven, that is Jesus himself, and our lives start to come in with alignment with what actually matters And the treasures of this world that will rot away with moth and dust, we won't care about those things. Because our concerns will be with living for heaven right now in this place. 